0: The best in Internet talk radio. A mind-bendingly ingenious plan to control the universe. We're building the best Internet talk radio on the planet. TalkZone.com.
1: Good day. Welcome to Healthy Talk Radio. I'm Deborah Ray. Well, things are changing in Europe. In Naples, to be specific, a new law has taken effect prohibiting smoking near pregnant women and children. The fine, up to $730. It's our focus each and every week on women's health. A very special guest joins us today to talk about supplements and women. With the news out today that heart disease kills more women under the age of 45 and the revelation thanks to the National Health and Nutrition Exam Survey showing that we are far from optimally nourished. Can we improve our nutrition through wiser dietary choices and supplementation? Dr. Mitchell Ginn is our guide today to supplements and women. Your health care questions at 1-800-307-3002 right here on Healthy Talk Radio.
0: Now, the news and views about the news you won't hear anywhere else. The Healthy Talk Radio News Digest.
1: Well, it's certainly appropriate for our discussion today about supplements in women. New research uh, being published in the Journal of the American College of Cardiology indicate that for decades we have seen death rates from heart disease fall in this country. And now a 50-plus year look, thanks to the Framingham study, um, that has forever changed our medical mindset about heart disease. We used to think, oh, it's in the genes. My father had heart disease, I'll have heart disease, and my children have heart disease. Well, the revelation came many years into the Framingham Heart Study. It was all about your lifestyle. And last year's World Congress on Cardiology had a McMaster University professor, Uh, proclaiming that heart disease is man-made. Oh, yes, we might have a genetic predisposition. In fact, genes that set the stage for conditions like inflammation, that's a very important risk factor for heart disease. But it's up to us how we take care of those genes. How are we doing? This is a little disturbing that for years heart disease death rates have been falling, but a new study published in the current journal of the American College of Cardiology indicates a troubling turn. More women are dying of heart disease due to clogged arteries, and the death rate for men in their 40s has leveled off. So we are now seeing that heart disease, the leading cause of death in the U.S., killing almost 700,000 Americans each year, is claiming more women um, around the age of 45. In fact, under the age of 45, which is just mind-boggling. We used to think, oh, hormones can be of great benefit, helping to protect women. Well, we have many disruptors out there uh, in our environment in our diet so um, the death rate for women um, it's more women are dying of heart disease around the age of 45 or lower due to clogged arteries the death rate for men around the age of 45 has leveled off that for years the death rate from heart disease has been falling not so anymore Well, they say it's a very good example illustrating how poorly the medical profession is watched and regulated. It comes out of Nassau uh, County in the state of New York, another case of hepatitis among the patients of an anesthesiologist whose faulty infection control practices, uh, not using syringes um, in in a sterile fashion, put Hundreds of people at the risk of hepatitis B, so now they are urging they've sent a letter first to six hundred and twenty eight patients they 're now contacting another two hundred patients, and another case of hepatitis B has been identified among these doctors patients. We have uh, malpractice among a very small number of physicians in this country, but we don't have a consistent system of educating you and me about these very small numbers of problematic uh, doctors. So according to Dr. Sidney Wolfe, who directs the Nader's Raiders Public Citizen Health Research Group, he has been monitoring malpractice records nationwide since 1990. says the smallest fraction of doctors have extensive records of payments. This doctor is, um, is one of those. So 10 settlements in 10 years, according to Dr. Wolf, should be a red flag to any medical review board. Yet nothing was done. And another question being raised about how closely the medical profession is being monitored. Another case of hepatitis identified among a Nassau County, New York, anesthesiologist patients. Well, I was standing in the health food store last night looking at the um, dairy case of eggs. And I notice, just as this morning's Wall Street Journal personal section is asking the question, how healthy is an egg with omega-3 acids? Um, We know that chicken-fed good fats and good feed produce more nutritious eggs. Is it worth the price? As the Wall Street Journal points out, and what I saw in that uh, dairy case yesterday, Um, Those omega-3 eggs are are about twice, in uh, in some cases, according to the Wall Street Journal, three times as expensive as regular eggs. Why, uh, that egg can contain as much as 350 milligrams of EPA and DHA. That's a relatively small amount in terms of what amount we should get from our diet. So it's an important contributor to, is it worth the money? You have to decide for yourself. I left with the regular (laughs) free-range eggs deciding against the omega-3 fatty acid eggs. You know, I was going to use them for Thanksgiving and baking and to pay twice the amount of money. Yes, I'm mindful of the amount of the omega-3 fatty acids I get in my diet on a regular basis. Was it worth paying twice the amount for eggs? Well, I decided otherwise. Again, there is no one right way. You have to decide the way that is best for you. Well, we have a lot of it in this country. In fact, the incidence is estimated to be double that of type 2 diabetes, which is pandemic in this country. 20% of the American population is estimated to have irritable bowel syndrome. We now know, <laughs> thanks to our ever westernization of the diet and activity and how we mind the stresses in our life, that we have more children with irritable bowel syndrome. A new study reported in the journal Gastroenterology indicates that you can harness the body's second nervous system. Yes, we have a second nervous system in our gut. You know, that gut reaction, that nervous stomach, (laughs) those aren't just literary terms or figments of somebody's imagination. We actually have more nerve endings in our gastrointestinal system than we do in our spine. So, no stretch that if you're nervous... Your stomach can be nervous. You can get a, a case of uh, gripping cramps after uh, some distressing news. So what they took a look at and published in the journal Gastroenterology that hypnotherapy has, quote, become the treatment of choice in children with persisting complaints of irritable bowel syndrome, we know that um, we are adept at holding emotions, some of us more so than others. Some of us uh, look very calm on the surface, paddling (laughs) furiously underneath with hypnosis, calming kids, irritable bowels. In fact, they found 85% of children in the hypnotherapy group were considered successfully treated using hypnotherapy versus only 25% of the children in the control group, all published in the current uh, issue of the journal Gastroenterology. Well, it's a great article, and we'll post the link at our website, HealthyTalkRadio.com, maintaining and uh, building strong vision for life. There is no symptom like failing vision that can motivate us to say, I can change my diet, I can take supplements, I can start exercising, I can start minding uh, uh, emotional and spiritual health factors in my life, that taking a high-quality multiple vitamin and mineral, a source of additional vitamin C, uh, the essential fatty acids are core supplements for eye health, Drinking lots of organic vegetable juices, particularly carrots can make a difference. The antioxidant nutrients like lutein, the mixed carotenes, vitamin C, vitamin E, vitamin A, can make a huge difference. In fact, lutein highly effective at preventing free radical damage in the eyes and uh, more. Of course, but we'll talk about it because we're talking about supplements and women today. With Dr. Mitchell Ginn as our guide today to women's health, right here on Healthy Talk Radio. I'm Deborah Ray.
0: Feeding America no nonsense health and lifestyle information and using the same recipe for 25 years. Time for more Healthy Talk Radio with Deborah Ray. The Women's Health Hour is brought to you by Age Best Basics. Be your best at any age.
1: I know of no better person than to assist in the co-host duties this morning on women's health and someone who lives in a home of accomplished women. His mother is wonderful. His wife is terrific. He has the most accomplished female daughters. uh, from uh, the top of the line to the end of the line. Here's Dr. Mitchell Ginn, who joins us today to talk about supplements and women. Dr. Ginn, hello and welcome.
2: Yeah, I should definitely be the expert. I'm drowning in estrogen, (laughs) that's for sure. (laughs) Hey, Deb, you know what? I I just want to start off by saying one thing. I I don't know if you talked about it already. You know, vitamin D back in the news today with type 2 risk. But, you know, I know this is going to be a women's health program, and I read something last night that literally blew me out of the water as a physician. I am sure that most physicians don't know this. And and what I read was that most, 50% of mothers and 65% of the infants that are born, even especially if they're breastfed, have vitamin D levels that are low enough to cause rickets in the United States. Wow.
1: Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? And 75% of women over the age of 60 in this country are vitamin D deficient. 75%? <laughs> it's
2: just... It just took me by surprise, and and then of course, you know, women want to know, well, how come I've got osteoporosis? And I know we're going to talk about all this today and the, and the nutritional supplementation that's required, but I could not believe it. You, you realize that you, you, you have a baby, your baby and you are already deficient 50% of the time. You could just walk around going, you have vitamin D deficiency. You're right most of the time, or at least half of the time, or 65% of the time in, in, in women. And then go to the age group over 65. You're right again. We have really, really missed the boat in this vitamin over the course of the last, uh, what, 40, 50 years. We've really blown it. And uh, I think it's a good starting point to talk about women, that, you know, women have special needs and women tend to worry about their husbands and their family and tend to neglect themselves. So I think this will be a really, really great show. I'm looking forward to this a lot.
1: So set the stage. I mean, you are, are the daughter of a tr- uh, the daughter the, the son of a <laughs> terrific mother. So yes. much estrogen, Dr. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is
2: it coming across in my voice or what? My
1: actions. <laughs> no, 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 no. But the, the son of a terrific mother, and and those mothers and grandmothers uh, didn't lead the lifestyle that we now see in in women c- coming up. I mean, they ate it differently. Uh, I ran across so many women. Who look amazed when I express, you know, surprise when they say I don't cook, and it's like, what? <laughs> I, yeah. I don't cook.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I certainly. Uh, you and I both come from uh, moms that are outrageous, of course. Uh, your mother is uh, dear to me and, and a very wonderful friend, and you know, we come from that age where moms, you know, at that time, I think many moms were more apt to be at home and they weren't working and being partnering in the in the uh, making a living process, but you know nowadays you know i, I you know well, i grew up in a house with mother and grandmothers on both sides you know you had to sit down if you didn't eat uh, they thought something was wrong with you if you didn't eat their food and they didn't make just one thing they made the smorgasbord every single night like you were at a feast and there was lots of different things to eat i mean sometimes to the point maybe it was a little bit too much food but there was always a range of food always a vegetable always a green always a yellow i mean it was that that thought process that was good and you know what i'm people are going away with way from it, but my oldest uh, uh, daughter of the youngest, my oldest of the youngest, that right, is, right. is Jacob Eliana, um, she's very much into cooking, and, and I've noticed mm-hmm. recently, she's cooking two, three times a week, but very nice, balanced, and she'll come to me and say, that is just a good combination, I mean, so she's become health conscious, maybe because of having uh, both Nancy and me in the house, both physicians, and, and bent towards integrative health so heavily. Uh, but I don't know what's happening out there. And, 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 the, and the fast foods are certainly robbing us of everything, let alone not giving it to us. It's robbing us of so many important nutrients, don't you think?
1: Absolutely, because in addition to cooking, I mean, I, I told you that article that, that I've saved, it's right here on the wall. If you eat out, even making wise choices, you may be eating as much as 40 percent less nutrients. You just don't have control. That you know, the cooking, the handling, the storing, the reheating is, is just different. But but I'm also wondering um, because you know I was of the generation that mothers were great sources of adages. Whether it was the crust of bread for curly hair, <laughs> myself and my sister. And yes, there is a research study to show that crusts of bread have particular antibiotics. Antioxidants in them. You know, mothers knew all that. Fish is brain food. Carrots for healthy eyes. Will sure. the next generation know that, Doctor Gann?
2: I don't know. I, I'm. I don't think so. I, I. just don't think so. You know, I have to try to look outside of my circle of my family because I. My kids know when they go shopping, especially with myself, my wife. They read the packages very closely. But you know, they're they're involved in in a, in a different type of uh, family uh, structure. For the most part, I don't see that happening. because When you when you consider the amount of uh, ingestion of Cokes and, and sodas every single day of teenagers and, and the lifestyle changes that are not there, I mean, certainly not for the positive, I don't see that the next generation is going to be any healthier. As a matter of fact, I think there's good predictions that we're going to be a sicker generation for the most part and that the aging process is going to reverse. If I would say to it, you know what, this is a very good thing. One time, you and I will have to try this. We're just going to call you know, 10 families. It would be fun to do on the air one time and just say, um, get a kid on the phone, a teenager on the phone. Say nice. to them, you know, what is a carrot good for? <laughs> I just like to hear what they tell me. What part of your body is a carrot good for? I mean, anyone listening, I mean, if you have a thought of this, I mean, that's it. Think about it. What would you say to your kid? What's a carrot good for? Uh, what are What's a broccoli good for? A Brussels sprout good for? You know what I'm, uh, I'm amazed at? It. Probably what we'll hear is, what's a Brussels sprout?
1: $18 billion. That is what? More than quadruple what is spent on direct-to-consumer drug ads. $18 billion spent to wow. influence our children to eat unhealthy foods. What are moms to do?
2: Yeah, well, they need to, they need to snap out of it. I mean, if you don't want a kids an early generation of cancer. Now, remember, when I went to medical school, which was some time ago, you know, 27 years ago, we were taught certain cancers were going to show up in the 70s. In women, okay, because we're, we're really focusing on women today. And now we're seeing these cancers. Not only are they catching up certain lung cancers, basically number two in women now after breast, but we're seeing that they're all coming earlier. They're coming in the 40s. The same cancer I was taught 27 years ago would not show up into the you know to the 60s or 70s. Now, if that's not a sign, something severely wrong, and the only thing we can point to, and the CDC says it itself, is our lifestyle and what we choose to put in our mouth, uh, I, I don't know what to say. So... This show is going to be a pencil and paper one because what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to dissect and try to reconnect and put together again and to reconstruct what is it that we are not doing right and what we can do right as women because you're home, you're listening, you're taking care of your families or you're working, you still have a very specific responsibility and that's to yourself. And I think people forget that you must have a responsibility to yourself regardless of what other responsibilities we have in our
1: life. So in many circles, as you indicated, Dr. Gann, that hearth and home, the heart of the home remains the dominion of the women, with today's American Journal of Cardiology indicating that the death rate from heart disease is on the rise among women under the age of 45. Start with supplements for women's heart. Okay,
2: well let's start with the, let's start with something easy because we started there and that would be, you know, I, we always talk about what is the basics and of course everyone's different and I think the key is we're individualized and I think this is a good place to start because it's going to give a very good point. Um, coenzyme Q10, mm, ubiquinone. From the word u, ubiquitous, meaning it's in every cell of the body, requirement for every mitochondria, meaning the cell, part of the cell that gives you energy, is necessary to give you strength and to make your heart pump, etc. No question. I mean, every study, if you take a statin drug, it reduces CoQ10. You need it. As you get older, you make less of it. Um, and the key here is, and it is to show not only individuality from CoQ, but we need to go back first to the animal because in the animal, if you look at the animal closely, you say, well, how much CoQ do I need? I mean, that's a is that a question we get all the time? So how much CoQ10 do you need? And what my suggestion is, is and and I'm not going to do this now because you're going to have to go get a pencil paper because we're going to go to a break anyway. And And I want you to come back and think of how much CoQ10, you've all listened to this show before, do you really need? Or should I say, how much if you extrapolate the data from the animal that the human makes? When we come back, of course.
1: We're we'll back with more of Dr. Mitchell Gannett's Our women's health focus each and every week during this uh, during this time. Supplements for women is on our table today. We invite you to join us right here on Healthy Talk Radio.
0: The information presented on Healthy Talk Radio is all well documented and presented by credentialed guests. It may not represent the views of this network, this radio station, or its sponsors. But hey, how much do they know about medicine anyway?
1: Our line's open. They are each and every week during this time. Our focus on women's health supplements for women with noted integrative practitioner Dr. Mitchell Ginn, the medical director of Eden Laboratories, joining us today at 1-800-307-3002. That's 1-800-307-3002. Eden Laboratories. you want to read about Dr. Ginn's work, Is Eden Laboratories, simply E-D-E-N, EdenLaboratories.net. And we were going to come back talking supplements for women, women's hearts,
2: CoQ10. right. That's where we started. And we said before the break, if anyone just joined us, that we have to really look at what is the body's requirement. And the best way to do that, of course, is animal studies, taking a look at it. What you first should realize that it takes 17 steps, there's a sequence, to synthesize CoQ10 from DNA. That's how many steps it takes. And it requires, which is also important for you to know, because, again, I started off by saying it's individualized. It requires at least seven vitamins from niacin, B6, folic acid, B12, and a few others, some trace elements to make or get to CoQ10. Now, according, according to studies that have been done, humans endogenously, and that's a, that's a good word, uh, if you're listening, endogenously means it makes it in your body itself, not outside. The the human makes about 500 milligrams a day, where most people only obtain 5 milligrams a day when it comes to their diet. Now, that's pretty spectacular already.
1: Yeah, because women, breast cancer, women, heart health, I mean, there's many reasons for CoQ10, Dr. Gantt.
2: Short neuro- how about neurologic reasons? Oh, sure. You're seeing a lot of neurologic. He's talking about coq10. And if a diet really only produces five, and I think what we have to also make clear is, as we age, we don't produce these things as well. And of course, if you have diets that are significantly deficient in the, you know, the starter vitamins that allow us to get to that particular stage, you are going to find that you're going to be short and you're going to come up short every single day until finally you have a problem. Add in a little fatten drug, which many of the women listening are taking, and you're going to find yourself coming up very short when it comes to CoQ10. So, you know, the question enters my mind, and I, and you and I have had fielded this call many, many times. How much CoQ10 do you, rec- do you recommend, doctor? I always say, well, I mean 100, 200 milligrams, but it has to be individualized. And certainly, with information like this at hand, you have to consider that maybe... We're not giving good advice on that. Maybe, Deb, we're, maybe we're saying a lot less than really is required, because as you get older and all the things that we do, maybe we're not making it and we're, and we're supplying a lot less than we need, so to speak. But, um, there is another point of this with the animal study, which leads to another point, and this is right up, your, right up your alley, and that is, these animal studies show that animals typically make, now humans can't, because of lack of an enzyme, but, Animals typically make ten times the amount of CoQ than they do than they do of vitamin C. Ten times the amount of vitamin but CoQ is vitamin C. So, example, if you extrapolate that into the human, can't always do it, but let's do it for for a minute anyway. If we are typically need 500 milligrams a day of CoQ10, then we typically need 5,000 milligrams of vitamin C a day. And if you really consider the fact that much of the vitamin C may be turned to a an, a metabolite that's not usable or we could have a sore throat or, or someone smoking, and then the list goes on and on, we may require upwards around 10,000 milligrams of vitamin C a day. And the reason I said it, of course, is because for years, I mean, you've been taking much higher doses and, and you've been much, much healthier than you were before starting all this. So, Absolutely.
1: Um, Women so. and, and their, their bowel health, so lots of vitamin C for lots of reasons, yeah, for people who have listened to me, they know that I take 14,000 milligrams of vitamin C every day and have since, uh, gee, my interacting with Dr. Linus Pauling back in 1980.
2: Yeah, and I, you know, I typically take around, uh, 3,000, but, you know, then when I think about it, like, you know, doing a show like this, and I start thinking about, okay, and then you ask me what's for heart, and I, and I think about the statistics and stuff like this, and I say, you know what, Mitchell, you know, I, I, maybe you're not, you know, doing what you should be doing for your own individualized program. And again, I use that word not loosely but very strictly, and that individualizes really the key. You need to be sure what you take. What's good for Deborah, folks, this may not be good for, for you that are listening. I'm not saying that you should run out and take 15000 Neither is Deb saying that. Well, nor am I saying you need to take 500 milligrams of CoQ10 a day. What I'm saying is, is that you need to look at your lifestyle, what you're eating, the things that you're doing, and each of the things that we're mentioning has at either higher or lower requirement. I mean, if you're eating perfectly, so forth, you have a lower requirement than someone who smokes a cigarette, drinks a has an alcoholic drink every night, eats very poorly and eats out a lot. They're going to have a much higher requirement, and the body, as you age or has been damaged through eating and doing improper things, is going to have a much higher requirement of CoQ10. Now, you're going to say, well, how do we answer that? The answer to it is, is of course, find a good integrative practitioner, but you still need to start somewhere. So by listening to us, you need to extrapolate what we're teaching today. And again, this is instructional. It's not individualized, but at least come up with a method that's for you. And, uh, and, you know, we've already talked about two things. For the heart, for certain, for CoQ, as well as, uh, as well as, of course, vitamin C. I added that in at that point. I just came to mind, of course, because vitamin C is one of the most amazing, inexpensive, yes. amazing, well-written. And I think, Deb, you'll tell me that if I'm not mistaken, it's the most well-written about Substance in the world, isn't
1: that true? Absolutely, absolutely. In fact, University of Michigan just did a Cochrane collection review on vitamin C, and ah. even the mainstream academicians um, indicated, gee, maybe we shouldn't even call it a vitamin because it is such an essential nutrient <laughs> that it, uh, you know, and, and the science to back it up is, is you know, for heart disease. Uh, you know, you and I have talked with Dr. Tom Levy, who's a cardiologist who's written two incredible books, uh, one about curing the incurable, all the science-based reasons that vitamin C can deal with any condition with which a vaccination deals with. And his uh, latest book, Stop the Number One Killer, indicating that uh, vitamin C deficiency often linked to heart disease, Dr. again
2: It sure is. I mean, because again, you have to go back to the basics. And we know more today in basic science than we did probably yesterday or when we were on the air five years ago. And that is, a lot of heart disease is very directed towards what we call the lining of the arteries, which we call the endothelial lining. And this endothelial lining, because of the things we eat and a lot of the free radicals that are produced, like xanthine oxidase, causes ongoing, very small bleeding and ongoing uh, inflammation. And this ongoing chronic bleeding, and I mean not a lot, a little tiny bleeding, but over time, and this inflammation over time, actually allows for... Plaque the form. We're really responsible for the placking in the arteries, believe it or not. Yes, we are responsible for it almost 80 to 90% of the time. And um, by taking vitamin C in respectable quantities over the course of the day, and again, vitamin C is one of those things you have to take several times. It is water-soluble, meaning that if you take it now, it, its half-life is maybe a half-hour. So you need to take it several times during the day. And what you'll find is it actually protects the endothelial lining. It protects... <laughs> Capillary fragility. When when the when the cell starts to get a little bit leaky, the uh, the vitamin C will help to stop that. And of course, it has an, it's a tremendous antioxidant, and and it goes on and on and on. And that's going to be, of course, in keeping with the other vitamin supplements that we're going to be telling you about today. So, first tip: lots of vitamin C. You're not going to get it unless you eat a lot of oranges and those type of things, uh, grapefruits, etc. Vitamin C. Take it frequently, several times throughout the day, and recognize that the requirement varies significantly. If you have a cold, you may require as much as 20,000 milligrams in a day. If you don't, maybe as little as two to 5,000 milligrams a day. And certainly if you're stressed or have a cigarette or a drink or any of the possibilities in between or you're angry at your husband because you did work all day, you came home, you're tired, you took a shower, and you still took the time to make him dinner to try to show him something nice, and then you still may need some extra vitamin C at that point too.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and of course, a very important point for for total body health, particularly a, a heart health, is that I find still all too many women, even though they're getting the message about the essential fatty acids, think that somehow uh, F A T, and of course, we're talking about the good FATs, <laughs> are bad for them and their waistline, Doctor Dan.
2: Yeah, well, you know, everybody thinks that fat is bad. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm not into that. I, I don't think I ever was into that. As long as you know me, I, I don't think I ever looked at cholesterol levels and went out of my mind I mean I, I hate to tell you even the integrative uh, journals are still uh, talking about bringing here's a product you'll know, bring it down I, I don't think we need to be focused on I think we need to be focused on what the body requires and, you know, a certain levels of cholesterol, you know, the new the new studies are, are basically have not shown that they you know, certain levels of cholesterol are any more dangerous than any others except in case it gets really high in familial disorders mostly. Um, there is a balance. You need a certain fat that that will do everything. I mean cholesterol is the beginning of the hormone. Cholesterol is the beginning of whether we get inflammation or not. Now we've talked a dozen times about inflammation's probably the key nowadays to most cancers that we know, ongoing. And this is the I mean, this is the newest hot-off-the-press information that we possibly have. Well, it's all controlled through the types of cholesterol that we have. So we need a certain amount of that fat, F-A-T, in our system. And the essential fatty acids, which we call the omega-3 and the omega-6, the gamma-linolenic acid uh, curves. these are required in, in a good, balanced quantity every day. And if they're there, they modulate, inflammation, and they modulate high triglycerides, they modulate cholesterol just by taking them anyway, and I think the key is, and I I toss this to you, Deb, but the key is the word essential. Everyone thinks it's essential, so your body makes it. What essential means for everyone listening, folks, is that your body does not make them, and that means it's essential for your nutrition that you get it every day, and of course, we'll talk in a moment about it, but... Most people don't get anywhere near the essential fatty acid levels that they require. And, of course, that's heart health by itself right there.
1: Absolutely. And, of course, it's one of the the many reasons uh, why we see, well, for example, uh, women of childbearing age have the lowest levels of these essential fatty acids, particularly DHA, of all the industrialized countries. We have the highest levels of postpartum depression. This uh, hits women, particularly women of childbearing age, doubly hard, Dr. Gann.
2: Oh, it does, and this and this essential fatty acid also will affect that fetus because brain health and brain growth depends on DHA, which is one of the one of the essential fatty acids. And I had said on a program when you and I were on about, about a week or two ago. And for those who didn't hear it, it's worthy of repeat. I had dinner with a psychiatrist who uh, is a dear friend of mine. You know, and it's hard for me to sit with a psychiatrist, but I happen to like this guy. And I told him anyway. But there, I mean, there. Well, wasn't it true? Are they nutballs or not? You don't go into psychiatry if you're not nuts, okay? I mean, I told him that too. He laughed and said, "Well, that's true. We we all have our issues." I said, "Yeah, but you guys have the most issues of any subspecialty there is known to humankind." But <laughs> he said, "It's true." He says, "You know," I, I said to him, "What are you doing with children? I mean, you know, I'm worried. I mean, you dropping this stuff on these kids left and right, this, these medications." No, I don't anymore. He says, "I've gone to using the essential fatty acids in much larger doses." Um, they have a great membrane stabilizing effect, a very a great effect on calming down depression and several other neurologic, uh, you know, uh, uh, outbursts of behavior and behavior disorders. And and he's using very large doses. I mean, 10, 15 capsules of the essential fatty acids every day in teenagers to help them through depression and so forth. I I thought that's impressive. I bring it up today. If I, if you heard it before, it's also worthy of hearing again because it'll tell you to look at your own program and to tell yourself. Are you taking enough of the essential fatty acids if you're working and doing hard? If you don't eat uh, three times a week the fatty fish, and I mean don't fry it, don't overcook it, you didn't eat it in a restaurant, but you really got you know, a really good grade and you ate it, the chances are you are essentially fatty acid deficient. And even then, you need the other side of the equation, which is the omega-6, the galliumic acid, which is provided by three very important oils, one of any of them, borage, uh evening primrose oil or, or black currant oil
1: so, so, I remember it was just about a year ago. USA Today uh, reported on a, a large survey of, of American men and women um, in their 20s, 30s, and 40s, and they were asked about top two favorite foods. For guys, it was burgers, number one, french fries, number two. For women, it was fries, number one, burgers, number two. And I, I, I was amazed. I was it, truly amazed.
2: Of course, what comes to my mind instantly is, you know, remember that remember the routine, burgers and fries to go, burgers and on, on, on Saturday night? Live, remember John Belushi's routine. Cheeseburger,
1: cheeseburger, cheeseburger. Yeah, Pepsi, Pepsi,
2: Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? We made fun of that. How many? What? Twenty years ago in the '80s, right? John was on in the '80s, right? Sure, sure.
0: And,
2: and of course, he, to me, he was one of the funniest comedians that ever lived. I mean, he was a funny guy, and and we made fun of that. That was satire. I mean, think about it. And today, it's hardly satire. We consume over 186,000 cokes for breakfast, and we eat these fast foods, as you pointed out so uh, uh, correctly, and, and so it's not funny anymore. Now it's real, and we want to know why everyone's getting sicker and everything else so early. That's that's the problem.
1: So, so how much of these essential fatty acids uh, should women consider, uh, you know, in their diet or through supplementation, Dr. Gantt?
2: Well, you know, they come as about a 1,000-milligram uh, capsule. I like the combination. I think if you're going to take an essential fatty acid, you need to be... Uh, pretty clear about which one you're going to take and i like one that's balanced and there are some that are omega-3 omega-6 which use either a borage or you know evening primos the black current. Uh some are three six nine i don't worry as much about the three six nine because nine you make a little bit of it in your body and if you have olive oil which you should be using fairly regularly that works good but i think a balanced three six very important. And when we come back, we could talk about which three six, how much good, of three good. six, when we do that.
1: Good. And we're not going to forget vitamin D. We're talking about supplements for women. Dr. Mitchell Gann is our guide today. We invite you to join us at 1 eight hundred three zero seven three zero zero two. 307 3002. It's a regular weekly focus on women's health. Dr. Mitchell Gann is our guide today. We invite you to join us right here on Healthy Talk Radio.
0: America's number one source for healthcare information, news, and medical breakthroughs. Making America healthy coast to coast. It's Healthy Talk Radio with Deborah Ray.
1: Dr. Mitchell again joins us today. Uh, we're talking women's health, focusing on supplements for women. We are going to come back um, and, and talk a little bit more about um, uh, making sure that we're getting optimal amounts, particularly when it relates to women's heart health, hormonal health, <laughs> uh, modulating inflammation, brain health, mood health, to get optimal amounts of uh, of the essential fatty acids, uh, and then moving on to, to vitamin D, Dr. Ginn.
2: All right, so let's do uh, fatty acids and let's get that through that fairly quickly. But, you know, it recalled uh, to my mind when we were on the break and a study. I mean, I just read not more than uh, two weeks ago about it is the source for liver regeneration is the fatty acids. Um, so it holds a place not just in decreasing inflammation, not just in decreasing triglycerides and cholesterol, not just in heart health, liver health as well, and, and obviously is. Is that requirements are much greater than than we, prob- we probably ever believed. And bone now, health,
1: and bone health. Every study on bone I, health is now exactly. saying
2: fish oil. Yep. And 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 mental health and 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 nerve health as well. So all these areas, there is a tremendous requirement for us to make sure that we have enough of the essential fatty acids. Again, before the.